This episode is brought to you by Blueprint Renovate Program, the program designed to create space in your firm to cultivate mindset change through what you do every day. Visit blueprinthq.com.au slash contact to start the conversation. Welcome to Conversations with Sam Dean. I'm Sam Dean and I'm excited to have you here to explore the conversations that accountants and advisors can have with their clients to cultivate business mastery. All the notes and links for the show can be found at blueprinthq.com.au slash podcast. Let's start a conversation. Hello everyone, welcome to episode six. Today I'd really like to drill down on what I think is one of our biggest blocks in conversations over the last couple of episodes we've looked at how to have difficult conversations and then also the conversations that we're having ourselves and I want to really drill down on something I mentioned a couple of times throughout the last few episodes is the actual mindset that we need to use to have better conversations with our clients going forward and also it's the mindset and the attitude that we need to look at as we build different styles of businesses, different conversations with our clients going forward into the future so we can either meet the disruption or even be the disruption in a more agile way going forward. So the mindset shift that I'm talking about, and let me be clear on what mindset actually means, it's actually an attitude, so it's fairly simple. And the mindset that we work with is shifting from the expert or very service-based or product-based mindset into an advisory mindset, which is more a client-centric mindset and it's more growth. Now, the expert mindset has actually kept us in very good stead over the last, since 1911, since the Tax Act, and there is actually nothing wrong with it. This is not good versus bad. It's just that if you want to start shifting, you need to look at some of these attributes because it's my belief that it's actually understanding the importance of mindset and understanding where we are right now with our mindset and the shift that we may require. Because remember, no change, no matter how small, is effective without a shift in the mindset, your belief, and then your actions and your attitudes around that. I feel this is why we've been talking for so long around moving from a reactive compliance focus for decades and we haven't actually done it because we don't truly understand the mindset behind it. This is actually quite a big topic and there's six attributes that we're going to work through. So I'm actually going to split it over two episodes. So today's episode, we're going to work through the first three, then next week work through the last three. And I would hope after these two episodes, you'd get a clarity around the importance of the shift, awareness of the main mindset shift required to become more agile and meet the future demands, particularly around conversations. Try to get a clarity of your current mindset and maybe why we have it um, and then where the shift needs to be made and what the first shifts that you might want to make and then some practical tips to integrate these into your day-to-day work. So let's get started. Let's get very clear on the importance of mindset. No change, no matter how small, is ineffective without a shift in your mindset. This is why I think we've been talking about moving from a reactive compliance focus 
for decades and we just haven't done it because we haven't addressed the fundamental need to shift from the attitude and mindset that we've had in the past from a compliance perspective, as I said before, it's held, held us in great stead, to a more advisory, proactive one going forward. So let's work through the each aspects of the expert and then the advisory mindset. The first one we're going to work, work on, if you're purely expert mindset, you are reactive and deal with situations or problems for clients or your own as they are happening or when they have happened, i.e. when they come to us, if we're clients, or they've already happened. The advisory mindset, which is the reflection of that, is proactive. So creating and controlling situations before they happen. So let's work around this one. So reactive on one side, expert, proactive, advisory on the other. Now, we're going to spend a bit of time on this one because obviously everyone's always telling us we need to be proactive, but realistically we are trained to be reactive. If you're coming from a taxation background or any kind of professional background that's legislation, more often than not you are seeing problems after they've happened and we are trained then to deal with that. And because particularly from a tax point of view, these are always coming at us, we have in, in a lot of ways be reactive. And, you know, there's actual situations where this will hold you in good stead. However, as we go forward, particularly with uh, computers um, and AI taking over stuff um, and our clients demanding it, we need to be more proactive. So we need to be creating and controlling the tax situations before they might actually happen or even creating the situation to pay back those taxes and everything anyhow. So let's really look at this one. So I want you to think about your day-to-day, if you're a tax person, actually looking at how you work through even your end-of-year tax jobs. We do a lot of work with firms shifting this mindset around just the end-of-year process. So quite often, I'll use uh, the end-of-year process as an example because most of you will know what it is. If you are getting to the end of the job and there's write-off or you're uncertain that there's a bill, the react, that's a reaction. So we're actually looking at the job and saying, oh my goodness, there's a write-off. The client won't accept that. That's a reactive way that we look at the end of year. Now, if we just maybe had a bit of a proactive job, uh, look at this. Next time you pick up a job, look at what happened last year and look at what you think the client might say. So actually pay and then look at how you could actually plan that job out. Say, okay, well, Last year we had a write-off. This year, what could we do to reduce that write-off? And then you're looking at that at the proactive stage. Could I use different people? Was last year the problem that all the information wasn't in? So could I get all that information in? So the proactive way would then be to create and control the situation on that job before at the beginning of the job and plan it and see if you could actually get to a point of a write-off. And if you think that there is, the proactive thing then obviously would be to do have a conversation with that client to say, well, if you get all your information in and we clean it up first, we should be able to do this job on budget. Otherwise, if you can't do that and it is really under budget and badly quoted, then you can have a conversation then before you start the job. So can you see the shift there? I'm reacting after everything has happened with write-off or I can actually be a little bit more proactive in this and look at it before I start the job and I can plan the job out which is creating, controlling the job 
before the problems actually happen. So let's run through some steps, simple steps in planning. And planning is obviously one of the key features in the proactive mindset. So step one, clarify. Clarify what you want the final result to look like. In the example before, I would like to do this job within budget, what the client will actually pay. Two, establish how. So break down the steps in the job. Make sure that you've got all the information in, that you've planned it, that you've broken down the steps, you've got the right, perhaps, right people doing the right jobs, and that you've had the actual conversation with the clients. Just a tip here, I know that most of the time there is write-off. It's because we don't get all the, we always start jobs before we can actually finish them. So establish how you're going to do that. One of the steps on how it might be, I'm not going to actually start this job till I know all the known information is in. Third stage is establish who. Establish who is best to actually complete each step, and sometimes you might use technology. Establish any due dates. Now, these is that's not the 15th of May if it's an end-of-year job. It's I want to have this job finished in, in the next two weeks, so I need to have all the information in by this date, and I want the job to be finished in two weeks. So set the dates. Then communicate. All of that. So what, how, who and when to everybody involved. So very simple steps in planning. Clarify what you want jobs to look like. Establish how. Establish who. Establish when in the dates and then communicate it back to everybody. The ultimate goal in this mindset shift is to be able to actually then quickly anticipate and identify clients' needs and take the action to deliver the solutions before they actually arise. So this this is a you know a big goal to have, and I think that it's an important one. We can actually quite often anticipate and identify our clients' needs around a lot of the ATO and tax obligations. You you know we're seeing from the ATO at the moment a significant debt owing for buses and PAYG, and obviously. The STP legislation that's come in and the super streaming is a result of trying to get in front of this. But these are all not tax issues. They're probably more business success issues. How many times have you seen clients who start up a new business, have a reasonable first year and then get surprised when they have their tax debt? Now, we can anticipate that. We know that they have to pay that. We know that where they need to put money aside but we haven't really had perhaps the conversations that are needed to get them to really understand that. We also know that they probably won't listen to us the first time that we say it, and this is where it becomes so important to anticipate that and to try to stay in front of it. If you have explained it to them and they're still not doing it, well, then you have done your job. You have been proactive. I actually think one of the biggest blocks we have in the shift from reactive to proactive is actually our time and how time poor we actually are. And it does take a little bit of a shift from, you know, being behind and being reactive into jumping forward and being proactive. So as I said before, one of the best places to start is actually to get more efficiency in what you do every day, end of year work, to use it to actually create some more space so you can get in front, but also then start that shift from being reactive to proactive in what you do every day. It's kind of like putting the broccoli in the meat patties, if you like. 
So the practical tip for this one is definitely have a look at your own jobs, plan them out, stick to the plan, anticipate what might go wrong in the actual end of year jobs, see if you can actually get them fixed before you start the job, and then that will actually help you shift that, and then you'll have the lovely surprise of then actually creating some more time so you can actually then be more proactive and anticipating some of your clients' needs. So number one, the shift to reactive to proactive will help us get a little bit more space and time so we'll be able to have those more proactive conversations with our clients. The next one, number two, will give us some space to work through this one. So number two, expert, is we tend to tell our answers. We hear a client's problem and we tend to jump straight into providing solution immediately as opposed to asking and being curious and continuing asking questions and listening to the client's problems. Did you hear the two words that I use there? Telling we hear, asking we listen. This one's really important, particularly if you want to then go back to the proactive one. No one actually likes to be told what their problems are and then how to actually solve it. This is one I struggled with a lot because I can actually tell most people what to do, but I know I don't like to be told what to do either. And it is actually what we're trained to do. We are actually trained to tell our answers because we are experts and we do know what we're talking about. However, if you really want to get people acting and really understanding what it is that how you actually can actually solve their problems, you really need to ask and be curious and continue asking questions and continue to the client to find out what the client's problems are. There's two real points to this. As I said, people don't actually be, like to be told what they do. And if you can ask and be curious and sometimes get them to come up with not so much the solution, but be open to the solution. And the second one is more often than not, sometimes the problem isn't what we first perceive it to be. And I'll give you an example of that. So very simply, if you have a client who has behind on their past payments, but it might, you're looking at it thinking, well, their business is doing quite well. They should have enough cash to pay for it. So is cash flow actually the problem? Is it a business success problem? So we might jump to it, the problem and say, well, you just, you're spending too much money, you know, put some money aside. So then you can meet your repayments. But then if you get a little bit curious and you start asking them why, why is it that you are spending more money than you're earning in this instance or actually explain that to them, you might find a different problem. It might be that they weren't really aware that they had to put the money aside. Um, so that's an education problem, not a cash flow problem, that they have some other stuff going on in their lives that you didn't know about that you might need to plan around and you know help them with. So you need to find out actually what the problem is. It might be that they're scared and they've got behind or they're trying to keep up the Joneses or whatever those problems is. And until you solve those problems, you're not quite often going to actually solve the cash flow problems at the end either. So that's a very simple example. So the goal here is to get that you're confident in asking questions and seek to learn and understand why the client has the problem and that you have the ability here to actually listen. As I said at the beginning, hearing a problem and then listening to what the problem are is very different. So I'm going to quickly go back through the attributes of listening as well. I know we've done it before, but 
I know that with any kind of learning, the more you hear something, the better. So I'm going to drill down in the listening. Remember when you're listening to a client, don't interrupt uh, during the conversation or rush any of these discussions. Try to really sit in the conversation and not think ahead with the response that someone's saying. Don't finish the client sentences for them or the staff. Just take a breath for about three seconds so that they can actually listen. Listening is a skill that you constantly have to work on and I can tell you I constantly work on this particular skill. It really is so important, particularly in this mindset around asking and being curious because you can't be curious without listening. That's just being a busybody and you can't truly understand what people's problems are so we can help them solve them without listening. So now we've looked, we've gone through reactive versus proactive and you're going to work on that in your everyday so you can actually create space to look at the skills of telling. So we're going to move towards the asking and the being curious. So they get the skill sets then to move towards the next one, which is actually quite a hard one for us from an expert to advisory point of view. And that's moving from the specialist. So when we look at the solutions, they're based on our years of experience, education and training, as opposed to being a generalist, which looks holistically at the client's problems and explores the root causes and not the symptoms. So this is when we start really drilling down with our skills of telling versus asking and we actually start to get more to the root causes and not just the symptoms. So as specialists, we kind of look at the symptoms. So underlying what it takes to tell and ask and then also get into what the actual problems are with the clients are the shift from an apathy mindset into a more empathetic mindset from expert to advisory. So by apathy, the definition is the impassive of a lack of concern to help solving the client's pain points. And why I know that none of us are actually very apathetic and we're very concerned about actually solving the client's pain points because of our time restrictions and then also our lack of training in these areas, sometimes that comes across. So we've got to really start moving to empathy, which I'll drill down on in a minute. For me, when I first started doing this work and then actually defining it and looking at the opposite to empathy, which is apathy, I was very uncomfortable with using that in the expert mindset. It comes across in in some of the other researchers. And if I look back in my career and early on, particularly when I was in the early 2000s, I actually think there was a a bit of a lack of concern. You know, I was thinking that these guys should know that they need to pay their GST straight up. And there was a certain amount of arrogance, if I must be truly honest. And, you know, I hadn't even really sort of understood the word empathy at that point. So we need to start shifting. And our impassiveness is not because we don't care. It's because we haven't got some of the time that we need to really drill down and have these conversations when we go go through this so sometimes our industry does come across a little bit apathetic because we are so busy and we're just trying to do what we do and it's it's not fair that that said because 
we are so busy trying to keep up with legislations, our own workflow, etc. But that impassiveness and try to solving the problem of our time, which we talked about earlier, has probably led us to this point. So what we want to do is move from there into empathy, which hopefully we've created more time with that reactive, proactive, and then we look at empathy. So I really want to deal, uh, drill down on empathy, and empathy seeks to understand um, our clients' holistic, including their emotions, um, and we are able to stand in their shoes. The person who's really helped me a lot is with the empathy work is Brene Brown, and she has done a lot of work. If you want to Google her and, and have a look at her TED Talks, so she defines empathy as connecting to the emotion of another person is experience, but not the act and not the actual experience. So it's very different from, say, sympathy, where you feel you feel for the person instead of feeling with them. So empathy is actually about feeling with them and standing in their shoes. It's about actually sitting with them, not actually experiencing the emotions themselves. So there's really four attributes to empathy. It's to be able to see the world as others see it. The second is to be non-judgmental. Thirdly, to understand the person's feeling. And fourthly, to communicate the understanding of that feeling back. Empathy does take a lot of practice. And where I think is a good place to start is just some of the techniques we learnt in the last couple of sessions around conversation is just feed it back and circle it back. Sit and listen and then feed it back. Don't try to actually solve the problem or feel sorry for the person. Just sit in the conversation and listen. Just when you're trying to move away from the perception of impassiveness and lack of concern, if you can just spend some time asking and being curious and listening and feeding it back, that will make a lot of difference, you know, when you're working with clients. So in this episode, I've worked through the first three mindset shifts from expert to advisory, which is reactive to proactive, telling our answers to asking and being curious, to shift from apathy into empathy. So these are all some of the soft skills. Next session, I'm going to be actually working through the next three, which is moving from looking at being a specialist, so basing our solutions on our years of experience education into a more generalist approach, looking holistically at the client's problems, exploring the root causes and not just the sympathy, so learn, using some of the skills that we've learned in this session. Then shift from a focus, uh, transactional focuses, where we're solving problems in isolation to a more meaningful client relationship into the advisory mindset. And then the last one, which we really struggle with, which is we feel uncomfortable approaching problems where we don't know the solutions to a more collaborative approach, which finds ways to bring a new solution not readily available. So they're the three that we will be drilling down in the next episode. If you could just pick one of the things that you've learned, so being more proactive, more curious or more empathetic over the next week or so and test it out. My suggestion is to start with the first one, which is proactive, which is looking at what you're doing every day and see if you can just tweak that. I look forward to continuing the conversation around this very important part of the work going forward, which is the mindset change next week. In the meantime, be brave and continue the conversation. 
Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. To check out more information on all things Sandine and Blueprint, go to the website, blueprinthq.com.au. And remember, continue the conversation and be brave. See you next time.